So, let me tell you something that you should have already realized by now about this fucking show you're listening to. This shit is supposed to be for mature audiences. As in grown-ups, mentally mature. It's supposed to talk about adult subjects in an adult frame of mind. It's not fucking that at all. This is two emotionally regressed, broken half-wits pretending to offer insight on movies. All they really offer you is an endless sexual perversion and a laundry list of personal paraphilia issues. You can make your own choices in life, but you have to choose this as entertainment. You know you're better than this. You have to know you are better than listening to Cinema Psyops.
Welcome to the 319th consecutive week of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, the guy who still thinks shouting about that shit is worth it. And joining me all the way across the city of Omaha, sitting in his own little bunker, wishing to God he could just stop, but he can't, is my co-host, Matt. I like to call it the bunker of love now. <laughs> we find couplings very therapeutic in the bunker of love, Matt. However, we- seduction is not something something that we condone. <laughs> Aw, but I love seducing myself. <laughs> uh, that is a type of play, and it's all you, so you can't not consent to you. I uh, I don't know. That sounded really weird. Uh, what, what are we doing here? Did I do something wrong or right? I can't tell. What did I do? <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, if you are into kink shaming, you filthy fucking animal. Ooh. If you're not, you've done nothing wrong. You're fine. Oh, okay. Either way, <laughs> I feel good about myself right now. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so this week we were talking about a weird, odd little gem that I found in 2001 myself by reading a Fangoria article, so I found it myself, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> this is not an impulse buy. This is not a uh, buy this movie as a pack of other things from the distributor that is uh, putting it out because you want to get another movie in this. This is a movie I specifically sought out on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah, I want to preface our review on this. When I knew that this was being released, I got super excited. People probably could go back in time. I got the receipts where I posted about it if they really want to go see it, um, that, that I was excited about it. So... Um, I'm going to frame my review of The Attic Expeditions with those statements about how stoked and excited I was to be able to get to see this on Blu-ray. <laughs> All right. Yes, but uh, I will say I still love the movie as much as I loved it when I saw it on DVD because I went out and rented this. Uh, this was a Blockbuster exclusive. I don't know if you were aware of this or not. Back when oh, Blockbuster- it was not. Yeah, Blockbuster got a, like, uh, they're the ones who decided to release it, so it was only released in their stores, which made it impossible possible to get for like anywhere else for a really long time. So I rented the DVD at a blockbuster because I remember reading about it in Fangoria and I was super interested in it. I liked the ideas. I liked all the kind of, you know, the behind the scenes photographs that they had and, and all that stuff. And like Fangoria really has a way of making everything sound fucking awesome. Like you could be reading about Godzilla 1998. It, it sounds awesome in yeah. Fangoria. Yeah. Like in Fangoria, they have a way of making you think that maybe Matthew Broderick isn't going to be the worst fucking thing in a Godzilla movie you've ever seen. And then it top it again to that fucking Godzilla, <laughs> right? Compared to like that Godzilla and the CG and yeah. all the all the other stuff, like they have a way of making you think the stuff is like gonna be way better than it is. Yeah, I don't know how they do it other than they just write about it and show me photos. Huh. Well, I mean, everyone's got to do something. <laughs> well, we'll circle back <laughs> from my snide remarks about Godzilla movies uh, to the Attic Expeditions. <laughs> now, the thing that really got me interested about the Attic Expeditions specifically was in the interview that was going on in Fang with the director and some of the actors and things they were just kind of talking about how they were trying to frame it like in with nightmare logic and they the way that they spoke about horror films i was like man this film's gonna at least have some heart you know what i mean and like Mm -hmm. and i knew going into it they had no fucking budget and there's some other things that i learned years later after finally seeing this dvd release uh now i will say that the dvd release of this actually in my mind looks better for a specific reason than what this blue 
Blu-ray transfer looks. Uh, that specific reason is there's several shots in the film that go out of focus and okay. in the super low resolution of standard definition DVD, even 480p DVD, that's not a problem because it doesn't have enough resolution to reveal how the focus gets lost. Okay? Yeah. And All right. there are sequences in this film where watching the Blu-ray transfer, I'm like, holy shit, this is really out of focus. Uh, there's also a lot of things you see in this that I bet you didn't see in the regular DVD. Right. Right. Because even I noticed some shit. Right. So what I'm saying is with less resolution and seeing it directly on DVD or VHS tape when it was made, which is early 2001, and you could have possibly seen it on VHS back even then, although DVD was much more prevalent. Um, but having seen it in that resolution, uh, those rough edges that we're probably going to both be pointing out, because I'm sure you saw all the stuff that I saw too, it's fine. But those yeah. very, very rough edges were not, not, not noticeable because you didn't have the resolution you couldn't make certain things out. Now, having said that, despite the rough, coarse nature of it, what this is to me is an unsanded sculpture. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can tell what it's going to be, but I certainly okay. don't want to touch it because you. it's going to hurt me. <laughs> like, it's it's shaped, it's ready to go, but it hasn't been polished and it isn't, like, it's, it's not quite finished. It hasn't been sanded down after, like, all the wood carving or whatever to make it smooth and safe to touch. Like, that's, yeah. that's how it feels. Like, it just, it feels slightly unfinished um, in certain aspects, and I, I, I will totally admit that. Um, so it's really interesting to watch this with a more knowledgeable uh, mind on, in filmmaking than what I was even 20 years ago when this was released, and it's also 20 years old. So this is a direct to DVD, pretty much blockbuster exclusive upon its first release, movie from 20 years ago that we are now reviewing a Blu-ray of. Wow, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> a blockbuster exclusive Pretty much. So there's there's really interesting um, sort of history and, and pedigree and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and I want to move on to um, one more thing about the film before we actually get into actually doing the review and talking about it that I wanted to bring up. Uh, and uh -huh. it's something that you usually bring up, but I think I've kind of left you dumbfounded because I'm just like throwing out a bunch of different stuff like I'm on crack, which I am. Uh -huh. Um <laughs> Uh, I mean, I can tell you must have just gotten your new batch in. Yeah, uh, it's good stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, man, it sounds like it. <laughs> but anyway, the horror pedigree and the cameos that are in this film, the people that they have showing up in the film that have been in a bunch of horror films or we've seen in at least a few or a handful before this is really incredible. And what I was talking about in the interviews and stuff and the people that they're putting in it and the way that the director and some of the other folks that were making it were talking, you very much get the feeling that they have a love and healthy respect for the horror genre. And that's what made me want to watch this film. And that specific love is still very much there and still very much apparent. And that's the sculpture that we're seeing. And I really, really want to dig in and talk about that because there is heart to this film that I will defend. But there is plenty of other things that for a first time filmmaker. All I know is it's got Jeffrey Combs in it. Wayne Yoon from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Love it. Right. And okay, it is a first time writer as well, if you can believe I internet movie database because it's never wrong yeah. about anything ever. So. He, and he was also the, the question in the Justice League cartoons. Yes, Jeffrey Combs is the fucking man. I love him for I, multiple his, reasons. I, his voice is just next level everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> he is just an amazing actor. Instead of just talking yeah. around all of this stuff, let's just dig in. What do you feel? F fucking A. 
Okay, let's get to going. Oh, last thing. Uh, the music this week, for the people listening to the Pirate Radio edit, you get all of the metal music that the producers forced into the movie against Jeremy Caston's will. Uh, yeah, because they're, they're all... I thought a lot of that like metal music seemed so eerily placed, like not well placed. Right, okay. And also, I just want to say that for the folks that are on the main feed, you get the treat of the actual score of the film because the Severn Blu-ray release came with the soundtrack on CD. And now it's time for that fucking break. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me cutting a new show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com, or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now... Back to the cutting room. some fucking hardcore grindcore crazy ass motherfucking shit right there that that's, is that's some fucking metal man that is bonehead from naked city that is like hard to listen to fucking grindcore they intentionally make it so <laughs> discordant and just so hard to just fucking deal with there's a pocket of grindcore that i can get into that's like that though and i'm i'm good i'm, I'm solid but there's a disproportionate amount of grindcore in the attic expeditions but luckily i don't think any of it's in the trailer do you know anything about magic magic with a k this summer, your worst nightmare is about to become reality. I'm your doctor, Dr. Eck. What's happening to me? You have been in a coma over the last four years. You were committed to my care as part of your sentence. What did I do? Her name was Faith. You murdered her at a magical ceremony that went awry. This is my house. I like to think of myself and my patients as a family. Trevor, you're okay. A man who knows how to talk to a lunatic. Amy is crazy. I'm not you're not crazy. How are things so far? This house, it reminds me of someplace I used to live. Wonderful. But you still don't know why I'm in here. You're the guy I'm supposed to trust enough to confide in. You ever go 
up in the attic? The attic is shrouded in mystery. And the nightmares last night? You've always lived in the house, Trevor. are questionable, Dr. Atkins, and detrimental to your patient. I'm on the brink of perfecting a universal treatment for every mental illness that we've suffered. I am a sane man. I'm only hallucinating. If you kill me, then there'll be nothing left but you hallucinations. anything before the operation. They won't let me see a doctor. Ted Raimi, star of Evil Dead, Spider-Man, and Xena Warrior Princess. Hello? Jeffrey Combs, star of Reanimator, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and House on Haunted Hill. Now I understand that you're afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. Trust me, I'm your doctor. Ah! Seth Green, star of Austin Powers 1 and 2, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and America's Sweetheart. Look, Trevor, I don't know how crazy you really are, but you need, like, a lawyer. And Alice Cooper. Expeditions. I don't care what's real anymore. Stop scaring me. Please. Stop, stop scaring me. All right. I may or may not be a fucking liar. It depends upon your definition of grindcore, but I think I'm safe for the most part because let's face it, most people don't even give a fuck about grindcore. Probably not. And if you do, if, so, you, if you like grindcore and you're out there, holler at your boy. Yeah. Let him know how much you love that grindcore. <laughs> let's do this fucking review before we get even the weirder. Attic Expeditions. All right. So we start out. There's a dude sitting underneath the tree, having a nice little date with his lady friend. Do you recognize the dude? No, dude. I, he's the only one of the only guys I couldn't recognize. All right, so the dude that's sitting under the tree with his girlfriend right there at the beginning of the movie just so happens to be the older brother of Alice in Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, the one where she takes all of their powers. He's the one who fights Freddy. Is he the one who has a karate fight with an invisible Freddy? Yes, that is him. That's the that's that actor. Yes. I just love that they ran out of budget out of budget money, and that's why they had that scene. <laughs> it's fucking amazing and stupid all at once and incredible. And uh, so that's where Trevor, our our main character, came from. So when I said okay. that there's there's horror pedigree in this, it even dips its toe into Freddy with uh, yeah, the, I guess our, our actor here playing Trevor. So then all of a sudden you get a, a a quick flash, and now he's in a hospital and. Doctors and nurses wearing strange bandages on their face, covering face coverings, and they're going to do something to them. It's like they're supposed to be these sterile things to keep like hair and other particles off and just to make it clean as possible uh, for for brain surgery. But really, it just looks kind of bondagey and surrealistic. And someone is very clearly a very big fan of Jacob's Ladder for this sequence. Yeah. Um, And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, it's totally an homage because they changed it just enough, but like you can tell you can feel it like the the jacob's ladder where he's yeah. being operated on or seen by doctors and he doesn't know what's going on and is confused and scared this is that sequence <laughs> well anyway then there's another flash and now he's tied down in like a circle and there's his lady friend and she gets naked and then she comes at him with a knife he's able to get free and she falls in the circle after stabbing the ground and then seems like she's writhing around in pain so then uh we have another flash and now he's in a house and he's got blood all over his hand he has to call the cops as there's been a murder and we see his lady friend is now on the floor dead killed with a special dagger that she 
was holding before. Was she doing so the weird catch- fucking chanting, or was this the esoteric, noiseless one? I always get them mixed up. Uh, this one she did chanting. Okay, that chanting is also super fucking creeping and dis- disheartening and unnerving. And it's like, yeah, you start the movie like this, and you're like, what the fuck? What are we doing here? And then, because <laughs> then it keeps. It, it's not so much. I don't know if we're jumping time, but I know we're jumping sets. And I'm like, when you, this is always a danger for me. And it's a danger for anyone trying to actually do a movie review, I think. I, I'm sure, I wonder if Siskel and Ebert ever went through this when they're alive. Is with, like a movie jumps multiple sets in like the first five minutes. You know, you got a time jumping movie and you know you're absolutely fucked when you're going to try to, you know, uh, convey what's going on to your audience. I Fuck. like, I like the way that they're doing that because what they're doing is, I mean, magic, you were supposed to live outside the rules of time and space. So the mm-hmm. film itself is showing you these characters interacting as they are currently experiencing whatever is going on at whatever point in time at whatever location and it doesn't even matter. And it's really kind of weird and it's hard to get a grasp on what's going on and you pretty much have to pay attention to just pretty much what they're saying because the film's explaining it to you as you go. The problem is it's also constantly disorienting you by jumping locations, time frames, um, characters who are we've seen get murdered or then suddenly alive and we're pretty sure we're in flashback but then all of a sudden they start talking as if this is currently happening and it becomes more and more disorienting so you just have to be like well when you fuck with magic you experience life without the confines of space and time and therefore it's kind of like a punishment while it's kind of wonderful i'm guessing is what this film is portraying (laughs) you think (laughs) <laughs> you, you hope that it's something like that right so anyway then we cut to he we a hospital he's sleeping on a cot and these two nurses are talking about how you know he won't wake up but if he does he'll have lots of questions and just on cue he starts waking up and not really knowing where he is uh then we cut to the entrance of this hospital and uh sam Raimi's little brother comes walking in with uh alice cooper who is obviously very disturbed in this movie uh, uh, you could have just stopped with very disturbed. Yeah. And <laughs> I love Alice Cooper. Everybody back down. I'm paying tribute yeah. to the man. He's a fucking genius. He is. He is. And, and, and he plays disturbing well here. And so uh, he, yeah, the guy says, you know, I'm a doctor and I think you've lost a patient. And then the actual head lady calls in two, uh, you know, walk-in patients. And the guy's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a doctor. And they're about ready to take the guy away until a nurse recognizes him. But also there's important business. He's awake. That's all they keep saying. Like I said, they're going to take this uh, other doctor away. But of course, uh, this nurse recognizes him. Then we see uh, the doctor, the man doctor of the building, Dr. Uh, Elk, who is told that he's awake and as they're leaving, he meets up with this young doctor who they finally you know, figured out is an actual doctor and his name is Dr. Coffee. And they're there to work together on this one patient. So then Dr. Elk, he actually meets up with, we find out this man's name is Trevor and it's in our first clip. Do you think you can stand up? Um. How do you feel? I'm your doctor, Dr. Eck. Trevor Blackburn. We meet again. I think I feel okay. I just, I don't remember what happened. Was there an accident? What do you remember, Trevor? I think I remember there was an accident. A horrible accident. What year is it, Trevor? The date? 
Do you know the date? 2000. I'm afraid I have some very bad news for you, Trevor. It's 2004. The year's 2004. November 23rd, as a matter of fact. 2004? Yes, I'm afraid so. I've lost four years? It's 2004. I think that you should go with me now. Mind if I smoke? Uh, I don't think so. It's a vice. I know. It's also against hospital rules. It's my hospital. My rules. Even so. So, Mr. Blackburn, tell me what you know, or think you know, if you can. I think I can. I, uh... My name is Trevor Blackburn. Doctor? What's happening to me? Watch carefully. Trevor, you've been a, a patient at this institute for a little over four years. It's a private sanitarium, my sanitarium. We are a hospice for the criminally insane, Trevor. I'm afraid that you were committed to my care as a result of an involuntary court order as part of your sentence for a capital crime. I don't remember any of this. What did I do? In time. When you first came here, Trevor, you were uh, raving, violent, unapproachable, untreatable. I decided to operate. You understand? Go on. Well, the operation should have been routine. Unfortunately, we had to use an anesthesiologist not from this facility, and you suffered an allergic reaction. And as a result, you have been in a coma over the last four years. None of this sounds like anything that would happen to me at all. But I guess I wouldn't know. Could you please tell me what happened? You were engaged to be married. Her name was Faith. You bought a house, paid cash. Six months after you moved in, you murdered her. I questioned you to determine your competency to uh, stand trial. And you claimed to have authored or to be in possession of some sort of magical book ringing a bell. I guess so. I couldn't place the image in its proper context. You believed that you committed this crime as a result of some sort of magical ceremony that went awry. Isn't there anything else you can tell me? What about family? Do I have any? Are they on their way? I'm afraid not, Trevor. You're an orphan. You were a man of uh, no friends, a few acquaintances and one lover. And that's all I can tell you. You could be talking about a stranger. I guess that's what I am now, total stranger. The human mind isn't fully equipped to understand the human mind, but it is, unfortunately, all that any of us has. What's going to happen to me now? I want to keep you here for observation until you're stabilized, a month or so, and then I'm going to send you to the House of Love.
The House of Love, Trevor, is a place where you can begin to learn to think and act for yourself again, among other recovering individuals, and you may find you have a lot in common with them. You'll help them, and they'll help you. Your therapy will be unique. Jesus, between the length of that clip and the grindcore that I played to bring us into this fucking segment, people might yeah. have tuned out by now. They, I mean, we might be done. This show might already have been over. Yeah, this might uh, get us canceled. This might do it. I almost played the whole fucking movie. So, uh, In your defense, and we were kind of talking during the clip, like yeah. at the end there, like the rain sounds really good in it. The dialogue is all great stuff. And these segments are some of the strongest parts of the movie, so I totally see yeah. why you did it. Plus, this I mean, is, th- uh, this is Jeffrey I Combs know. monologuing, right? Yeah, uh, listen, Jeffrey Combs was talking. I'm almost always going to try to clip it. I almost tried to find a way to clip every one of his dialogues, because Fuck, it was good. Uh, right, because it's fucking Jeffrey so, Combs. Exactly. And uh, while we're at it here, while he was, while they walked him from the hospital bed to the doctor's office, or some weird things that happened, uh, he would walking through a, a hallway th- full of patients, and then he looked back after the door swung and the room was empty. Also, when uh, they were sitting in the doctor's office, he went to light a cigarette. The match lit without him striking it. So just a few visual things that happened. Yeah, there's some there's some very serious visual clues that are trying to hint at otherworldly things that are going on. And the question is, is this failed ritual that we kind of saw at the beginning, is what's happening here the consequence of that? Is this a magical reason that these things are happening? Or is this just the consequences of your everyday shitty actions, Trevor, and murdering your wife? Yeah, right. Um, so, okay, uh, he gets shown around the house uh, that he's going to be living in, the house of love. Uh, he's introduced to Amy, who drew him a picture of a, like, almost like a child's drawing of a family. He then meets Ronald, who has a puppet on his hand, and Douglas, who seems to, who is Seth Green's character and seems to be fairly paranoid. Uh, he's then shown his room, and uh, after the lady who runs it leaves, he takes down a picture, a painting of Jesus and turns it around and that ends the opening 20 minutes of the movie. Did you notice when he takes the picture of Jesus down it's like somebody's watching from the painting because it gets closer to yes. him? Yes. Yeah. So and is that something like he knows but what we learned later on in this movie how many times is it in this fucking house? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Okay, so we're being set up here to see that Trevor did something that caused quite a bit of a stir beyond just murdering his wife and yeah. this entire extremely expensive experience Experiment that they're doing was specifically he killed his wife and that he talked often about a book when he first came there and that they did a, uh, a surgery on him and that the reason he's been in a coma is because of anesthesiologist who was you know helping out and uh, he had an allergic reaction to it okay right all right so let's let's back it up so right now trevor could be suing the shit out of these people yeah <laughs> anybody that was involved with whatever was supposed to be happening but he's given like this halfway house thing for the mental institution that he gets sent to yeah. this house of love do you feel like trevor was convicted and basically sentenced for like a mental i have a feeling like, declared doctors, legally insane or something i have a feeling the doctor stated to get trevor <laughs> that he wasn't even competent to stand trial so there probably was no trial okay so you think that as soon as trevor was got, apprehended they, like like because apparently he was ranting and raving so they brought this doctor in he even says it you know i was brought in and uh they were able to you know and i 
evaluated you to see if you were fit for trial. So they never go beyond that. And I'm just under the impression that he, he probably just said, uh, Dr. Elf probably just said, yeah, he, he can't even stand trial. He's so mentally unfit. Do you get a sort of esoteric ancient ones, Lovecraft, uh, ideal, like cult thing that maybe Eck is a part of and maybe a higher acolyte and like he can't fuck this up because this is his only chance. They need this book. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Cause it feels like that. It feels like he's power tripping over everybody, not just because he can, but because like yeah. he needs to, cause he feels like he's trying, he has to cut loose as well. Cause he seems like he's under a lot of pressure. He does call people and report to them as well. Yeah. You know, we do kind of see that, but like right now he isn't doing that. It's just him interacting as he would, but like the blazing the match, like just lighting up the match like that with the power of his will or implying that it's, you know, mm-hmm. magical in some way, shape or form that really does yeah, set a visual, something. it sets a visual cue or a visual clue. But like, I think it's also him trying to spike Trevor's memory, maybe. It, I think it's definitely that because he needs Trevor to remember things. And I don't know if it's happened yet in the film because like I st- it doesn't matter how many fucking times I watch this film, The Attic Expeditions. I don't know where I am in the film while I'm watching it and I forget what I just saw right after I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I have no idea what's going on and my brain just goes, nope, I'm not thinking about this too hard. So I don't envy you your job and I do feel somewhat bad, but at the same time I know this is going to make a great show. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on and that's because right now Trevor doesn't know where he is and he doesn't know what's going Going on, And at a certain point, because you've seen all of these different locations that we go to and you get used to them, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you could just all of a sudden be dreaming about your childhood room, like when you were in fifth grade and what it looked like, and you would be there in your mind and you'd be seeing it, but it wouldn't freak you out because in your mind you would recognize what it was. Yeah. And that's what's going on with Trevor. So at this point, when he starts going to all these different places and he's just like having these different flashes, as soon as he gets to these more familiar locations or at at least he's in an area that he's been before and he gets some not necessarily grounding but at least his bearings as to where he's at like a sense of direction which is what he gets going into the house of love and the people that are supposed to be other patients in the the house of love i think a lot of people had a hard time getting over the aspect of what it was the movie was trying to show us and what they thought they were being shown um so all, all the complaints that you would have about the different levels of how crazy these people are that are supposed to be with Trevor in this house of love and whether or not they actually are um, those those types of judgments that you're about to make like the way that the actors are portraying the characters is going to fuck with you anyway <laughs> we're introduced yeah. to all of the people and we're like you automatically are just like what the fuck are they doing <laughs> you know what I mean like and, and when you watch the movie too like as as an audience you're just like what the fuck choice are you making here movie like you're like where are you going with this because like I'm, I'm like I'm going to give you a little slack here but this is uh uh, come on, really? You know? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And that, like, that's the first time you watch it. But like after multiple times through, when the fucking puppet shows up, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. And you dread seeing that thing. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can move on now. I just wanted to talk yeah. about like the impressions that these this 20 minutes give you because really yeah. it's so fucking difficult to know what the fuck is going on at any point in time in this film and you just It really is. Yeah, and it's just so disorienting and I think that's the fucking point. 
I think so. Well, all right. The next 20 minutes starts off with group therapy. A woman named Liz, she's uh, reading from this book, and it's just some horrible shit. And during this, Trev starts having flashbacks. Trev thinks he may have read this story before, and but it was long ago. He said it reminded well, him of something he may have written or read, or he was very yeah. familiar with it. And then like he kind of went on this weird little diatribe, and there was like this weird noise, like a zzz or a zapping noise mm-hmm. in the soundtrack while that was going on. That's important for later. Yeah. Well, uh, they're all being watched by the doctors in our next clip. I have this exact same setup in Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know I've read all of your published work? Thank you. But my understanding of your theories did not prepare me for this. This is amazing. This is... This is all for one patient? Well, as we both know, this type of personal therapy can be quite expensive. In fact, the cost of maintaining his environment is prohibitive. Uh, Mind if I ask how much? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say prohibitive. Which is why, please, I'm going to be pressing for immediate results. I'm afraid you and I are going to be spending quite a lot of time in here over the next few days. Fine, fine. Who is he? His name is Trevor Blackburn. He's an acute schizophrenic. He was completely incapable of rational ideation before he began treatment here. The house made this particular subject perfect for our purposes. And so far, everything is progressing exactly according to plan. Good. Do you think he was lying? Think he remembers? That's hard to say. Excuse me. Frank. Frank. You're cutting it close. They're almost finished downstairs. And his uh, reactions to the implants have been uncertain. You saw him react to the transmission. Hmm. Well, we can guess. (laughs) We can plan. If only we could read his mind. We will never truly know how he really feels. So now we find out there's implants in his head. Or so we think. But then again, are we seeing the results of the implants in his head? Or are we seeing implants well, in his I head have, after he left the hospital? I have a whole idea about what we're seeing, but I got to wait until this movie's over. Right. Or to the end. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're kind of grogging what I'm going after here, too. We're good. Yeah. I, I, th- I have a whole idea about what's actually happening here. All right. Cool. Samesies. Moving on. All right. So then Trevor, he can't sleep one night. He goes into the game room and he talks with Amy. Amy and Douglas. Amy says she finds Trev's attractive, and Doug is trying to move a spoon with his mind. Um, Can we talk about how she says she finds him attractive, where she says he's the most handsome man, and she tries to make herself very childlike and yeah. innocent, but like in a seductive way, and it's kind of unnerving? Yeah, it's it's really unnerving. Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. Extremely uncomfortable, man. Not cool. Yeah. Um, Wow. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. This Oof. movie will do whatever it takes to fuck with you. It does not care. Yeah. Anyway, um... Doug kind of pokes fun at Amy for being uh, crazy, and she says, I'm not crazy, and then she says she's going to go make Trev a homecoming gift, and he was like, homecoming gift? That's weird. Uh, So, anyway, he leaves, and Doug warns, he kind of warns, uh, uh, he doesn't kind of, he does warn Trev that he should stay, you know, keep as far away from Amy as he can, because she can be bad news. Yeah, he's like, remember... She is also crazy. He's like, remember, everybody in here is also still a mental patient, my friend. Like, he's trying to totally be, like, a friend and and talk to him. But he's also super paranoid, so he's like, I don't even trust.
trust you. I'm just telling you, you shouldn't trust them. But because yeah. he's such a paranoid douche, you're like, well, wait, is he just a paranoid douche or does he have a point? Mm-hmm. And, and then you're also questioning whether or not this is actually happening to Trev and what's actually making this all happen and what's going on. And then you just keep getting layers and layers deeper. You're like, wait, is this the magical thing that's causing all of this or is there something else causing this? How is this all happening? And before long, your head starts to hurt, and 20 years later, you do a podcast on said movie. (laughs) Well, after all that, he's laying in bed, and he kind of hears this knocking, and he pops up, and all of a sudden, his fiance, dead fiance, pops up right behind him, but then he pops up again like that was just a nightmare. He goes exploring for the knocking, and he finds a, well, a, 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 a way to an attic. And after he gets into the attic, he uh, hears the um, knocking come from this chest. He opens up a chest and a bloody hand drags him down into there. Um, they do build some tension with this sequence. Everything that you yeah. described actually does happen, but they do this in a very slow manner. It's very slow. Yeah. yeah. And it's also extremely creepy because it takes the time because he knocks on the chest. It knocks back the same amount. So he knows there's a, yep. he knows there's some kind of sentient being on the other side of this thing. And the entire time you're telling yourself, don't you fucking open that, you fucking idiot. Yeah, right. And then he fucking does it. <laughs> and then you're like, don't don't put your hand down in there, you fucking idiot. And then he does it and it takes a while. But then a bloody hand drags him out. And you're like, I fucking told you, you fucking idiot. Is, is this what Court was saying when he first watched this movie? This is what Court says every time he watches this movie. <laughs> All right. So the next day, uh, Trevor, uh, Doug comes over to talk to Trevor. And Doug at first tries to kiss him. And Doug's like, <laughs> and Trevor's like, well, man, that's that's not what I'm about. Then uh, Can we just talk about tell- like how progressive that actually was where he pushed him away? And it was like, he was just basically yeah. like, look, I'm not into you. Like yeah, He that. doesn't freak out about it. He's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I yeah. Just- no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's a unwanted, uh, not sexual advance, but it's still an unwanted amorous advance that, uh, yeah. yeah, and he didn't- But then Doug never pursues it again, so he doesn't push it. So, I mean, it's- Right, but also the way that Doug did it was a bit- um, It's a bit too much. Aggressive, yeah. You just met the guy yesterday. Yeah, I think I mean, he's- I, I think, is he this another test? Because he's such a paranoid fuck, he wants to see what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, anyway, they talk more about Amy, and he says, Doug says the reason Amy's in there is because- because when she would have sex with guys, she would then turn around and falsely accuse them of rape. And one guy got even put away for six months. And now, you know, but that ended, they finally caught on and that ended her in the clinic. And he says, that's, she's not your type. And uh, Trev says something that actually makes sense. He goes, listen, you don't know me. And he goes, I don't know me. I, neither one of us know what my type is. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, not, not bad, not bad. That's a, that's pretty good. Yeah, he has a definite point here. And we need to come back and circle back around to Douglas telling this story. Um, mm-hmm. He trusts Douglas because Douglas seems like somebody he can trust because Douglas doesn't trust anybody else. But all of a sudden, yeah. Douglas is start sharing all this information with him because he wants to educate him so he'll be paranoid like him. Or what are Douglas's motives? And also, Douglas made a move at him. So anything that he says about a woman or a possible sexual partner for someone that he was obviously into, can you 100% believe, you know, maybe he still has some amorous jealousy um, for Trevor, who, who absolutely knows? Could, could be, but I mean, she did do it. I mean... <laughs> In story. Right, right. That's why she's there. But is so that. It wasn't just lying. Well, he was telling the truth. Right. But like, we don't know that yet. So is what yeah. he's saying right now actually true? Or is he just saying something to keep Trevor from trying to sexually pursue a woman? That could be too. That's that's all I'm getting at. You know, like it's. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that this movie tries to make you think about, about what's going on with the motivations. And then once you've seen it, if you come back around, because there's stuff that I want to talk about to you as someone who's already seen it, that's happening in yeah. the sequence and the sequence before. And, uh, 
just kind of ask like uh you know if you think that this is when it started or not if you know what i'm saying yeah i got you <laughs> yeah but like that's the problem with the film nudge, you can't, nudge, wink, wink. yeah and that's the problem with the film is like trying to discuss it there's multiple layers of stuff that's like thrown at you that are kind of hinted at and it's really brilliant because you get to choose your own adventure every time you watch it you know i don't i maybe yeah. i'm giving the filmmakers way too much credit for that but I, I, if that's what they intended then they fucking nailed it but if they didn't my thing is like whatever i want to believe is going on at whatever point in time whenever i watch this film is exactly what's happening you know I, I can change my mind as much as i want and make up my own story and make it more interactive to watch this film and that's what i enjoyed about it there you go <laughs> i mean hey fuck it yeah i know yeah, there's pick your own way of going about Right. And do you disagree that there are that not that many, there's that many possibilities that you can think of in there a bunch are, of different there ways? Are, yeah. There are a lot of possibilities out there for this movie. Yeah. It's another one of those, like it, it feels like they're kind of dipping their toe in the phantasm idea of making it like super surreal and making it kind of like, you know, questioning your reality. The only difference is this film completely detaches from trying to have a through line of a character's experience because the film itself is jumping around. It's kind of like what they did to us with Reggie in Ravager is kind of similar to what's happening in Attic Expeditions is what I'm getting at. You know, like that yeah. kind of where it's an unreli unreliable narrator in the story and therefore all the other things that are happening become even more unreliable. <laughs> so, True. yeah. And it just, okay, strap in everybody because it's going to get weirder. It, yeah, th this whole thing just doesn't get any better i mean less weird is what i should say um, <laughs> yeah it doesn't make it any more comfortable for you from this point forward yeah. so sit down get comfortable strap in and uh, grab your uh, screaming pillows <laughs> well later on he talks to the lead like the head mother of the house and he t keeps telling her that this place feels like home and she has a very knowing look saying that's good then uh he's outside liz's room where you hear typing all the time and doug says well she's typing she feels like she's typing everything that's happening right now she's typing the world's story and then all of a sudden they hear stop the typing stops and they both are like well that's weird and they yell out to her and she says back that she's proofreading all right so then I love that uh, sequence where he's like, what's she doing? I don't know. And he just pounds on the door. Liz, yeah. what are you doing? And she goes, proofreading. And he goes, there. No, oh, makes sense. And they're just like, they're not going to argue. And it's insane logic in an insane asylum, basically. Yeah. Well, um, then all of a sudden Trev sees Ron and Ron calls him over to his room and they talk. And that's our next clip. Trevor, I'm frightened. 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 What are you afraid of? Ronald. It is Ronald, right? That's right. Ronald. And you're Trevor. Trevor? I don't even know her. I'm sorry. And I'm the professor. I don't know her either. Shut up. Just shut up for Christ's sakes. This is important. There are some things I need to tell you, Trevor. Things you need to know. Take it easy, Ronald. He's wrong, Trevor. Listen to me. I I'm sorry, Trevor. Just... You've always lived in the house, Trevor. You... <clears throat> when Dr. Thalama, Abby, first moved in and took over, she had this um, book she brought with her. Uh, it was like one of those big illustrated Bibles, you know, like in libraries. Right, right, right. I I've seen one of those recently in a roller rink somewhere. This, this book wasn't a Bible. I, I've never seen or heard of anything like it. It, it. it looked old. Much too old to be carrying around. Get it, Trevor? 
Please, let him finish. Every day, Abby would get out this book and read to us to start off group therapy session. Uh, she said that it would help us and teach us something like a lesson for the day, you know, but it was obviously just an excuse. It, it didn't matter, because there was no one there to tell her how to run things at the time, and for a while she let us smoke cigarettes so nobody really thought about it. I did. I told her. Sure you did. And we're still in here, aren't we? Trevor, you gotta get me out of here. I don't know what's happening to me. I, I can't tell you who I am because I can't remember a goddamn thing. My mind's all fucked up in this goddamn puppet head. But I swear to you, as God is my witness, I am not this guy's hand. I'm real. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm... Help me. I can't take any more of this lunacy, Ronald. <laughs> Trevor, the book was blank. I finally saw the pages and they were blank and I think she knows I saw it. That was the last time she used the book. Liz arrived the next day and she never talks about where she came from. And the stories Liz writes and the stories she reads in group session, they're just like the book, Trevor. And she never lets you see the paper they're on either because it's all in her head and it's all out of that empty book. No, can you shut up, please? No, Trevor, please. I'm only trying to help, please. Watching this film, there's two different types of people that, that are going to get to this point at the film. And they're going to yeah. they're gonna have the sock puppet beg for help and be told that, you know, he's definitely not this guy's hand. And you're either going to be like, holy shit, that was fucking intense. Or you're just going to bail. Yeah, I thought it was intense. Right. Like, I think if, if the fucking dragon puppet, like, begging for his life, like, if you don't get into it and the score doesn't work for you, and, like, for a second, like, after all the other weirdness and lunacy, like, you don't start going down this path with the guy, like, yeah. I just don't think the rest of the film is going to work for you if you get to that point. No. If you're not into it by this point, just put it away. Right. <laughs> because once the sock puppet starts begging for his life and to tell you that he doesn't know what's going on, you got to get me out of here, and I swear to God I'm not this guy's hand and begging for help uh and then you find some things out later on about how that possibly could be real yeah right (laughs) yeah and then magically speaking we're just like holy fuck oh my god yeah i mean obviously um (laughs) sorry i know i'm fucking geeking out but there is so much to think about in this movie dude i'm just trying to keep my uh myself in here trev then visits amy and as they talk a little bit uh she gets naked and uh they bone and that ends that 20 minutes i'm gonna call that a thank you movie because she strips in front of him in such a way as to entice him but then if what we've heard about amy is true trevor is in for some real shit yes uh and while while they're boning it actually is very intense and uh, ver- has, has some serious like hardcore nudity and yeah. uh that's this it's at this point that i should reveal to the audience that the attic expeditions actually started its life as a script for witchcraft 4 witchcraft 4 i don't i've, I've never watched any of the witchcrafts okay so just to sum up and bring you up to speed there is a metric fuck ton of these witchcraft films and what they are matt is a label for softcore pornography oh all right well then good for them yeah there's like 12 or 13 of them and that's basically what's going on so when you see the sex scene as you do and you know it gets like a, like it does I just wanted to point that out that that's how this film started so when the eroticism comes in after all of the other stuff that is like really disheartening and confusing and scary and then they play black acid devil while they're having sex and it gets kind of aggressive and there's certain things that she says during it like cover her mouth because she's going to scream yeah and knowing what we know about Amy and we're at this 
point, the eroticism becomes uncomfortable because it gets kind of an aggressive sex and it's very, very, very like seriously thrusty. And at certain points, whenever Trevor is on top, it seems way more aggressive than, you know, you would do for the first time with someone that's in an asylum, especially if you thought maybe they had this problem where they would accuse people of raping them. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Uh, uh, the man, uh, you know, is thinking to himself, he hasn't been laid in probably in four years. So, uh, I guess. <laughs> right. I guess, you, I guess you shoot your shot and take your chances. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's just, it's uncomfortable. But having said that, it it's also extremely erotic. And the actress who plays Amy looks gorgeous. And when she takes off her clothes, you kind of understand. But at the same time, yeah. you know it's a bad choice. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. but if people don't make bad choices, there wouldn't be horror movies. <laughs> exactly. Then every movie just be happy and no one would have any problems whatsoever. Now, I've been bringing up points in time where I'm like, okay, so what's going on here? Is this what's going on? You know, like, um, what, what exact thing are we seeing at this point? Is this actually Trevor's experience. All right. So the multiple layer things here is what we're seeing actually Trevor's experience. Is this being induced either magically or by X scientifically? Um, yeah. Is the brain damage that's done to him because of the ritual? And if that's the case, are they hoping to find the memories to unlock them by running him through these scenarios? How many times have they done this already? Um, you know, like there's certain times where they're cutting back and forth in time and sometimes Trevor's head is shaved and sometimes it isn't. So like that's immediately after some kind of a procedure or surgery or we're, we're led to believe that that's the case. But, yeah. but then like, you know, within the matter of moments, his hair's grown right back out and we're at, yeah. we're at a completely different location. Uh, the house of love itself, like everything feels familiar. He says it feels like home. People are hinting that he's always been there, that this has always been his home. People keep bringing up this type of book and, you know, this over and over again, and they're very much describing it. And what you realize, basically, if you've seen this multiple times, and I think it's because coming pretty obvious at this point. People are specifically trying to jog his memory about a book. He's not here to get better. No, he is definitely not. It's this so place is not here to make anybody better. Right. It's so obvious to the audience at this point that that's what's going on. And it's interesting the way the filmmakers play this because um this method and what's what's actually happening is still so revolutionary that at this point in time, Ted Raimi's character is still super impressed because Jesus, man, they're spending all this money they're doing all this stuff and it's like this new cutting edge technique or something that they're doing that's supposed to cure Trevor and make him better and they're hinting at it that it has to be observed from this other location you know and that they're doing something that's so different and then this house of love idea that we're talking about like it's this place that he gets taken to but it's also supposed to be a house but it's a familiar place that he was when he was in love it's the house that he and his fiance bought or would be wife and they were married and they got this house and then that's basically where the story starts we've been told that a couple of different times and we start to get the pieces together and if you pay attention and if you think about it you can kind of put it together in your head about what's happening um and i've read the plot line what's supposed to happen linearly it's actually on a wikipedia page somebody took the time to try and put it together as to the chronology like the timeline of how yeah. the order of events actually would have happened mm -hmm. but that's only the things that we are shown and just yeah. like in phantasm we don't know if what we're seeing is actually what is happening or if what we're seeing is the result of something else causing it from an exterior force and that force may be scientific and it may be magical or it may be a mixture of both it's pulpy as fuck it's lovecraft as fuck it's weird tales magazine as fuck i'm fucking in let's go all right jesus christ <laughs> sorry i fucking love this movie all right we start the next 20 minutes he has a crazy dream where he's looking at this mirror and it's like a flip mirror and he sees and it's like the 
back of him looking into a mirror. And he flips it, and all of a sudden, there he is with the top of his head cut off, covered in blood, and he's screaming. And he's holding a scalpel. Yes. He wakes up to hear Amy screaming, and he finds Ronald dead with his hand cut off that had the puppet. Um, a Good door gore shuts. effect. Yes. A door shuts, and Trevor tries to get in there because he thinks he sees someone run in there. And the head lady stops him and says he can never go in that room and admonishes him. She's also very violently throwing him against the wall, and we've never seen her like this because she normally has this yeah. very calm, matronly demeanor. And she totally goes like fucking, you know, you ruined my silent drape runners on him. Yeah, you fucking, I was, I was uh, had great ocean sounds trying to go to bed too, and you just woke me up, asshole. So, you know, be quiet. <laughs> I was on the cusp of orgasm and sleep simultaneously, you fuckhead clip. That, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> that's living the dream right there is what that is. I mean, when you accomplish that shit, I'd be pretty pissed off, too, if somebody interrupted me. So anyway, uh, then later on, uh, Douglas and Trevor, they have like a five-minute conversation about what's real and what's not. I almost clipped it. I probably should have, but it really, it, not for nothing, but it doesn't really add anything to the story. It just makes them both seem crazy. Okay, I disagree. You know what I mean? Yeah, I disagree. Okay. Um, what Trevor's basically asking where he's like, I'm getting the sensation that things are not, you know, like things are being betrayed to me in a certain way. And I don't really realize if I can trust people. And I'm not sure if that's because I just came out of a four-year coma and I don't, you know, and my brain's all scrambled. Is it because I don't know who I am and I don't know how to relate to people? You know, what's kind of actually happening here? Or do you think it's possible that someone's fucking with me? And what Douglas does is launch into his paranoid rant. Now, what's basically basically yeah. happening is we're seeing here that Douglas is ingratiating himself while he's doing it because he's saying, look, like I'm, I don't want to talk about this much because I don't like thinking, you know, I don't even like thinking about it, but I think about it all the time. And then he's basically just talking about, there's no way to prove, there's no way for you to ever know in your entire life, whether or not you actually can trust the people that you believe you can trust or not. You just have to take that leap. But the problem is it's always in the back of your head that you will always be wondering whether or not you can actually trust that person. And the more you think about it, the worse it gets because then you start worrying if they're thinking about the same thing and if they're thinking of you the same way that you're thinking of them and the anxiety and that stuff it just keeps building up and I think they do a really good job of that description and what's basically happening is he's had an episode triggered or supposedly an episode triggered if once you know late, more, more of what's going on in this that basically doesn't give Trevor the answer that he's looking for but is just basically an episode of his own you know and then he's like and now that's your fault because he's being very much Douglas this is all Douglas has ever done the problem was is he got to a level where Trevor could relate to him and now he's not and that's because he's gone overboard again and they're just trying to keep Trevor like on a back foot again you know like everything is just pushing Trevor a little more over the edge and disoriented and just basically trying to break him down it's like how a cult works to initiate someone into a cult he's not sleeping well there's noises all the goddamn time there's weird shit that's going on he's questioning his fucking reality and he's reaching out for support and he gets something that just tries to make it worse true yeah um yeah I, I, maybe i was just uh lost in this one uh, uh, a little bit i will so. say this though the sequence this sequence broke my heart because i loved this shot when it was on dvd and this was the one that was like super fucking blurry and you couldn't see anything and seth green does an excellent job doing his delivery and they're walking around and they're moving the camera and they do it all in one shot and it's really like really well crafted but the focus just kept going out and uh, okay if they had more money to actually get like a really good take of it that would be awesome but when it was on dvd you couldn't fucking tell like at all you know what i mean and that breaks my fucking heart so bad 
Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, I guess I could hear it. I never knew, again, that things got distorted. I never knew if they were doing that on purpose because of what this movie is. Because I never saw the other version of it. It felt like it was going in and out of focus just from what I know of seeing cameras focusing and things. Um, whether or not it was intentional, I don't even know now, Matt. You planted that in my head and now I'm like, what the fuck? Thanks. Right? I just thought maybe it's that that's was supposed to be what it's supposed to be. Okay. I'll, I'll accept your answer on that and say that they were going in and out of focus on purpose and fucking with the way that the film stock looked on purpose. Yeah, who knows? Um, so anyway, uh, later on, the head lady uh, meets with Trevor, and she has Amy with her. And Amy said uh, that Trevor actually seduced her to do this and when Ron was killed. And so he's a little fucked up from that. Uh, then the lady... Uh, uh, they say seduced, but uh, she basically means you raped or forced right, or yeah. Yeah, coerced. And the lady then also says that she doesn't know who anyone could have murdered Robert, but that he's the only murderer. Uh, Trevor is the only murderer in the house. She has a point. Yes. And then later on, the head lady, like you can see it in a video monitor. The head lady says something to Amy. I couldn't hear what she said. Uh, yeah, she's on, whispering a, across at her as he's leaving the room, yeah. but like you actually yeah. see that they're monitoring it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Trev is starting to have a bad headache, and um, like he's staring at the drawing that Amy gave him, and it becomes real, and then that flashes on and off. He leaves, and he talks with Douglas, and that's our next clip. How long was Ronald here? Uh, you mean, when did they bring him here? Um, I don't know. A while ago, I was here. I know that. Time doesn't work the same way as it's supposed to in here. Yeah, I know what you mean. So tell me, Trevor. Did you carve up our friend Ronald? You read a lot of books, don't you, Douglas? But, yeah, books are cheap. The allowance my uncle gives me isn't enough to keep up with the kids' music, so I read. Do you know anything about magic? Card tricks? Oh, hey, uh, a rabbit. No. Magic with a K? Yeah, like uh, casting spells, possession. my question you ever go up in the attic the attic no uh <laughs> the attic is shrouded in mystery i've dreamt about it my god that's insane yeah nightmares uh, mostly when i first got here i was always um in the attic in my dreams do you ever get the trunk open see what's inside I've had the same nightmares. <clears throat> it could be worse. If it's happening to both of us, then we know what's real. Unless somehow one of us is lying. In my dreams, the trunk was always locked, but there was something trying to get out. I got it open last night. Last night, last night while, while Ronald was being killed? Yeah, that's right. Did you kill him? 
I don't think so. Damn, that got weird fast. Right? At first, I thought you clipped this just because they're drinking. And then once they get into the deeper discussion, I'm like, yeah, this is a better choice than that walking rant. Because it advances the story. The walking rant just basically increases paranoia. Yeah, exactly. Um, So then uh, Trev then later on tries to talk to Liz, but she won't open up the door. Uh, Amy comes out and she wants to talk to him. He goes into a room. She tries to hug him, but he gets away. And she says the only reason she said she was raped is because that's what she has said for every man she's ever had sex with. So now they cannot say that he murdered Robert because they know for a fact he was having sex with her because she claimed he raped. Right. And she basically says they won't believe that you actually raped me. But what they will believe is that that you had sex with me. Right. That we were having sex at the time and that you're innocent. So she's basically like, I told the lesser evil lie or something along those lines. Yeah. She even says that she told the lie that would protect everyone. Yeah. That's just Um, really fucked up and weird logic. And it makes it really like I just would stay the fuck away from her if I was him. Yeah. 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 That's 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 a fact. Um, later, uh, that night, he and, uh, Douglas decide they're gonna go up to see the chest. They're up there, and Trev can hear his fiance in there. And so he doesn't want to go near it. He's freaked out. Doug starts kicking it, and that causes pain in Trevor's head. He keeps kicking the chest, and harder and harder. Did you notice the flashes of images when he was kicking the chest that would pop up, too, when they were doing the cuts? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Trevor, all of a sudden, after the last kick, he finds himself staring, standing at Liz's door. He demands that she opens it, that she's also taking his words that he wrote those words. Everyone's starting to come out because he's making such a loud noise, and then we hear loud banging on the door. As the door flies off, we see Liz is dead, nailed to that door, and we see a bloody trail leading up to the typewriter, in which then the pages in the typewriter is nothing but blood. And he starts freaking out that those are his words, and that it's all fake. Um... Then we see the doctor, as he's watching this, uh, Dr. Elkin, he suggests he's going to give him the strongest hallucinogenic they have. This is now where we see Dr. Coffey starting to turn, and he's like, I don't know if this is what's best, but that ends that 20 minutes. All right, so you have a patient who has been diagnosed as somewhat schizophrenic, and it has been shown that uh, schizophrenics respond to hallucinogens well. Mm-hmm. So subs- or prescribing a hallucinogen for a schizophrenic. Now, this is just things that I remember from various uh, media I've ingested. and I don't have any kind of a fucking degree. So I'm just going by believability factor in the movie. Uh, s- prescribing a hallucinogen while someone is schizophrenic um, for like alleviation of some of these symptoms or even like for a type of therapy. Um, that's not something that I have like I've heard of that before. I've, I've seen that in other movies and it's also something that I've heard um, happens. I'm not saying that I know this from personal experience, I swear. <laughs> um, but uh, the most powerful hallucinogen that they have when he's in such an agitated and already like disturbed state, he's not just hallucinating. He's questioning everything about the nature of his reality and is just like completely just starting to go around the bend. But he's been exhibiting some very um, aggressive and somewhat progressively more violent reactions to things. And uh, we know that he has murdered somebody, so this is not such a great idea. And the Beck giving him the most powerful hallucinogen that they have, I can totally see the concerns that Ted Raimi's character is voicing here. Um, the way that Eck responds eh, that we're about to discuss is really not that great. Right. No. <laughs> um, so if you thought 
that you could at least have the Ted Raimi, Dr. X stuff to anchor the plot line to the movie too, that you know what is and is not happening, what is or is not real in the current moments that you're you're seeing. Um, you're going to start to question what you thought was your anchor before because they were on monitors observing this from the outside. You think that this is reality, but the problem is we were thinking it's the same kind of reality like Ted Raimi's character was thinking. That's not where we are. And X about to yeah. destroy our whole notion of what's going on in this movie and how it's happening and we're going to go even more out there and weird and kind of hard to follow and it's going to get even more confusing and Matt's going to struggle even more and it's going to be glorious for all of us listening motherfucker <laughs> well we start the next 20 minutes uh we see that uh he's actually being taken from his bed in one of the months then we has a flash of a bloody surgeon hand adjusting the light then all of a sudden tread wakes up and walks into a hallway of the house and the lights are swaying on their own and all of a sudden fake shows up she said she's here to take him away and they and they were driving they're driving away she says we got to finish what we started and they get to the house. We don't get to see the house, but she says this is home. And he runs away. And then he gets caught in this hellish landscape of, like, kind of just, like, an, almost like a, a suburb-type neighborhood. But the landscape's hellish. And we see beans come, like, running out of these homes. And it's kind of just disturbing. And, uh... Oh, the disorienting uh, music that was discordant and kind of really yeah. dis... Like, just made you uncomfortable. That was the yeah. song that I played, the 55 second song <laughs> it's yeah that's then the sequence was exactly long as that song so with all of that he runs back to the house and she takes him in and up to the attic uh then they open up the chest and climb inside of it and there's stairs leading down and they get down there and um it's kind of in this room, uh, like it has a bed and everything, and there's a camera. And as she adjusts it, she sees Trevor only as he actually is. His head's bald. He's being hooked up to stuff. He's hooked up to electrodes. He's obviously there. And she makes mention of, you know, how he can't look at this and that things are now getting ready. And they talk more, and that's our next clip. doesn't want to focus on you. Wait, I remember something. It's dead. I wondered what got recorded on the tape that night that made them decide you killed me. I don't know what it looked like, but it couldn't have looked like a murder. Guess it doesn't matter, they would have convicted you anyway. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. What is it? No, no, stay there, you can't look. See, I can see where you really are in here. How much do you remember, Trevor? I remember the accident. Nothing was accidental, okay? It was a ceremony. You were a magus, and I was your student. The rituals, they're psychic abstractions. I'm sorry, I, I don't know what you mean. <sighs> Damn it, you don't. You don't remember where the book is. The book. Faith. The book. Faith. Did he just say faith? Yes. yes. Interesting. Isn't that very, very interesting? Is this state your patient is in the expected results of your treatment, Doctor? One of several. It's certainly not a negative development. You 
possibilities are always presenting themselves. The very least I can say with regards to what I have just seen is that some things require privacy in the name of decency. I understand the concept of decency at all. Oh, decency, I understand. Privacy's a myth. And I have a prescription. Your methods are questionable, Dr. Ack, and the results, I am not quite certain, are detrimental to your patient. I see. Where are you going? I'm going to talk to him. Oh, that will do a lot of good, I'm sure. Dr. Conte, I'm on the brink of perfecting a universal treatment for every mental illness ever suffered. Your concerns are petty and small. Whatever Trevor may feel now, he will thank me once he's been perfected. Come in, please. Sit down. Transference may not occur until the correct point in this cycle has returned. The flesh of the second party must be prepared as before, as well as the seat of reason, and finally sealed within the confines of the pentacle. Now speak the secret fourfold word, the blasphemy against all gods and men. I wrote that a long time ago. No, you didn't. Though it bears some resemblance to your work. Do you remember it? Passage rings a bell. I think I remember a little. I think. Trevor. We'd like to hear your story again. Perhaps you have a fresh perspective. New insight. Uh, I was living with my fiance. We were very much in love. We just bought a house. All right. Is it safe to say it now? Can we can we say it? What what's going on? What we think is happening? Because I'm pretty sure we're in accordance here, right? I I I don't know if we're in accordance, but yeah, let's go ahead and say it. Okay. There's no house of love. Every time they go to the house of love, they're inducing some kind of like hallucinatory program. They actually cracked open his fucking skull. They have probes in his fucking brains, and they're trying to activate memories and all of the other stuff. Okay. Yeah. No. We're exactly. Yeah. We're exactly the same. Right. We're exactly the same. Right. that none of the characters in that house actually exist. They're all parts of his mind. Right. The chest is the core of his brain. That's why when you kick it, it causes him pain. Right. And, and the other memories that are happening, it's also like he's trying to remember things and kicking the chest around, like is shaking up his brain and kind of bringing some things to the surface. And it also hurts him. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, I believe, are the hallucinations of a mind that's being operated upon and stimulated to try and unlock memories. And what they're basically doing is they're also communicating with them. So I believe there are still actors that are actually going into the hospital room and performing their parts and they're making him see the things that are being said to him. But like he's actually being touched and interacted with and like he's... I don't think so. uh, I think it's all just in his brain. Okay, well that could be, but I also think that they, at some point in time, they did some of this dialogue or they started talking with him or somehow they're actually asking him about the book and it's somehow warping in with his hallucination because there are people who are actually asking him the questions and interrogating him to get him to communicate 
communicate. And I believe that what they're seeing on the monitor is actually the what's in his visual cortex. They're actually this new technique or this new amazing thing that they're doing or this new process for mental illnesses. You get to see the world through the crazy person's mind. Yes. And the, the, yeah, the monitors are, they're in a whole separate room and the monitors are, they're able to see what actually these electrodes or whatever they have attached to his brain are doing. And it's also Dr. Elk can because no one can read the book well, oh I, we're not there yet are we no no they said that trevor um, was the only one that could read said, the book he does say yeah, that yeah. so trevor's the only one who could read the book dr Eck wants to know what the book says so that's why he's using trevor right and, and that's why he's doing this and when dr x starts reading to him and he yeah. says um you know you wrote something similar to this what dr Eck is reading is another grimoire that is written in the same way where you're only able to read it if you're meant to read it yeah it's a different t- uh different spelled book but it's like the same type of spell book or it's a similar type of spell book and that's what he's reading from and when he says you didn't write this but you wrote something similar what he's basically saying is the spells are different because each person has to do something different to make these invocations happen is what i yeah. what i think they're hinting at and that's why you're only going to be able to read it if you're meant to read it you know and i think him teaching his wife the spells and then them trying to do the spells together um because she wasn't meant to do those types of spells and she learned from him and she didn't read him from the book um i think that's why their spell casting together may have gone off for this very important very powerful spell i don't think that they were where they needed to be and i think as we've seen all the time in these kinds of movies when people start conjuring demons and working magic it always goes too far and there's always some kind of a price to pay and they're always going to be grotesquely punished in some way shape or form yeah or they get super fucking powerful and turn super fucking evil and start trying to kill everyone However, people want to do this. But yes, at least we're in agreement that yes, none of this at the house is actually happening. There is no house. No, it's when they it they is, induce that state of mind. They induce that coma. And yeah, he just, that's where he has to live now. Also, and, I, I also want to say that all of these different locations are all places that he's familiar with. And when I very much said that childhood room, what I'm basically getting at is they're recreating all these various memories and they're trying to work their way through his memory to find the stuff that they need to know to find the location of the book and all the other bullshit that they need to know. All right. Yeah. So the stuff that they're pushing and the way that they're doing these hallucinations and the way that they're driving the things that he's seeing, they keep putting him in all these different stuff that he's familiar with. And whenever Eck talks to him, you notice where Eck is sitting. It's his desk. It's not Eck's desk. It's actually Trevor's desk in that mage's office. Because sometimes it's this vast open void-like plane that's somewhere underground with all of these support beams everywhere with all this like rock that it's carved out when he goes down that staircase in his mind. And that's a different location. And then sometimes it's that same office where he was studying the book and like Faith ended up with the knife stuck in her when he makes the phone call. So Eck is actually like usurping his office and trying to like you know put some power over him to kind of force him to trust him and like he's like oh he he remembers the but death I thought they were in a real clinic because that's where coffee was right but when they go when Eck actually speaks to Trevor he's still in Trevor's still in that room with the probes they're putting those images into his mind for Eck to talk to him his, oh okay so yeah Eck, they're not even in an office no I got you Eck's office that we get taken to it's exactly the same room as what we see Trevor in like in his robe and everything in the office where he makes the phone call it's the same curtains and everything. It's not just a reused set. What they're doing is they're triggering Trevor's office and putting it into putting Eck at the desk to make him automatically trust the things that Eck says because this is a f- place that's familiar and he respects the desk and kind of remembers it and he feels comfortable there. But because Eck is behind the desk, so therefore Eck must be in, must be in charge right now. You know what I mean? Like, but it's right. it's from a memory. So they're going into his memories and they're trying to access them 
and pull information out. So he may not even be talking to him. He may just be manipulating something to make this stuff happen and communicate with him. It may all be like things that actually did happen that he's just being forced to remember now. So how long have they been doing this? And they just finally gave up and got into his brain and started stimulating it, you know, and they're just bringing yeah. back certain memories. Like how long has Eck been doing this? How long has this been happening to Trevor, you know, or is this just hell because he's being punished for failing at that, that spell and they both died and you know, whatever things he summoned, this is what they're doing to torment him. Yeah. <laughs> like who, fu- I don't think it's- who fucking knows who fucking knows. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But you can sit there and speculate and wonder about this film as much as you want. So the thing, the shots that go blurry and out of focus, whether or not that's on purpose now, and I'm going to take Matt's word for it, that that was on purpose. Uh, everything that's, that's happening in the film is supposed to disorient you. And I think it does an excellent job and I really enjoy it. We can move on now. I'll stop. Yeah, I mean, all right. It's excellent. It's uh, fucking now that we can say this. Yeah, it's it's an excellent way when you finally kind of realize, okay, nothing in the house is real. That's all his mind and them using these stimulants and stuff just so Elk can see him read this book. And there's a couple times where uh, he's cognizant of it. Like when he looks in the mirror and yeah. things, he knows that someone opened up his skull. Like he can tell. There's still yeah, some that, part of him. That's why you keep seeing all these things where his skull's opened up. Right. And, and like he keeps seeing this stuff and he knows what's happening and his brain is kind of flashing on it and he understands what's going on, but it's on a sub level. And especially the faith persona in his brain even brings up that she can see the actual him in this camera uh, in that camera and that she can actually see the actual him i was thinking so. what was going on there is um they were filming it or they were showing the procedure and somehow he caught a glimpse of the monitor and that just worked into the hallucination that was going on you know as it's happening like yeah like about the third or fourth time you watch this you start start you start wondering like what thing in the way faith they're hinting is at talking, with all this though? yeah I think Faith is just the doctors. Oh, I don't believe Faith is the doctors. I actually, I'm going to go with in the magical path of things. I believe that his mind has been deeply fractured and damaged because of the spell. And I believe that's because it only half worked. So Faith is in his body, but it was supposed to be the opposite. And she's trying to fix that now. And the only way she can fix that is to kill him. But then they're both going to be roaming the astral plane together or something along those lines. She does kind of. Oh, okay. She does kind of. I went with, I think, Faith because. Because she gets so mad that he can't remember certain things. And she's like, you really can't remember these things. And that she also wants him to find the book and finish reading it. And so I just think that that's just the docs. Oh, I want to believe the magic shit. shit. I want to believe the magic shit is real because they're doing all this to find the book anyway. So I want to believe that what's going on with Faith is also real. Um, There are certain points where I will totally believe you that I think when he's interacting with Faith, um, I believe that that totally is a doctor. But the stuff that's in that magic room, that very specific magic room, um, where it's just him and she's telling him, like, we only have a little bit of time. I don't think that's a doctor learn like luring him away i think that's faith like there's not shocking your brain you're somewhat cognizant let's talk while you can you know and then the hallucinogen makes it to where he's completely like unaware of anything else that's going on and so they're going to disregard some of the stuff that they're supposedly seeing but maybe like he's not visually seeing something else or his brain just completely shuts down and then it's like this spirit astral realm where his body like his you know his soul projects out and that's where faith gets to him you know like it could be multiple layered like that with sci-fi and spiritual it could just be a doctor fucking with him it could just be all sci-fi i'm good with whatever interpretation you want to come up with and i would like to discuss it and get more minutiae but jesus christ we're already like an hour and 40 minutes in to the raw recording and we gotta get moving no shit holy cow all right um so 
Then we have a flashback to Trev and Faith sitting under that tree talking and how much they love each other. And she wants to buy a house, such a big house that you can get lost in it and all that. Then we see them buying said house uh, and Trev is upstairs sweeping and we see in the attic that chest. He opens it. He walks down the steps and he finds the book and he opens it. There's a voiceover that the book pages are blank unless you were meant to read it. And it was he who made her want to do the ceremony. Yeah, he coerced her into doing it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, she uh, wants to know where the book is. And uh, and then also tells him that the house of love that he's in right now is actually his house. But it's their house. And you can That's tell the house that they you, you can yeah. tell when they're outside of it. You can tell what the attic thing or at least you can kind of get the idea. So it's yeah, you, you understand it as they're already showing yeah. it. But she just flat out says it in case somebody out there doesn't get it. Doesn't doesn't realize what's uh what's up or what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you haven't <laughs> been paying attention to the architecture of the house and the very clearly same um archway that he keeps walking through for the entirety of the film, then yeah, you're hopeless until she actually says, Yeah, this was always our house, Trevor. Yeah. So there's that. Um, you know, good 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 on everybody if you got it. Everyone who's gonna get it, get it. All right, good, let's move on. Then it cuts back to them and she's like, I know I'll help you to remember, and they have some uh pretty hardcore sex, and this is one of those times where you see like uh maybe you know why it shouldn't be on blu-ray or something you can see him wearing his nude little onesie thing or bottoms so that he's not naked you can say what it is it's a fucking speedo it's a it's a a flesh colored speedo um they the way they did some of the shots in this yeah it was a lot more obvious um they should have given the actress something similar but unfortunately it doesn't appear that they did um for her okay um but the scene is basically just there to have a naked woman writhing on top of trevor like yeah that's what it's there for and the spiral and they played then they played the fucking metal on top of that shit too metal during sex scenes i can see where be that would be very like disorienting and disheartening for you but for me it just makes sense <laughs> well it's not even it's just it's just, it seemed weirdly placed <laughs> Well, it's not disorienting, but okay, yeah. Well, the producers shoehorned that in, and they were very clearly trying to amp up the sexual nature of this to sell it just for the sex like scenes, you know. Yeah. And again, this did start life as a witchcraft four script that they felt was stronger and they could do something with. Um, I don't disagree because I've seen witchcrafts, <laughs> and they're not wrong. <laughs> uh, this is much better. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so it, you know, it kind of makes sense as far as the sex scene stuff goes, and it is extremely exploitative, but also at the same time, goddamn is it fucking sexy and yes you can see the underwear so that gets a little bit you know like oh okay you see the cracks and everything you can really tell where you know the film's lacking in some of the production I just don't think they had time to reshoot that maybe they didn't know or maybe they like because you know on video you probably couldn't tell on like a regular DVD I don't think you could also just by the way Matt I wasn't looking at the guy that much during that scene. No, I didn't figure you would. <laughs> but watching it on the Blu-ray on my projector, I totally noticed it, and it's blaringly obvious. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, just wanted to make sure. Yeah. So, in this, the seduction scene is also esoteric and weird because it's like their souls are fucking. Yeah, That's the right? new name of my band, their souls are fucking. I mean, if anyone was going to have a band name like that, it was obviously going to be you. <laughs> okay, we can move on. I'm sorry. Then, after the sex is done, they're back in that ceremony area where she tried to stab him from earlier, and that is our next clip. We can't hide here much longer. Who's killing people in the House of Love? The House of Love is a lie. It's all for you. The other patients are actors. 
Ek wants the book. What do I do? You have to finish the ceremony. If you were dead instead of me, you would have powers undreamed of. Your concentration broke, Trevor. The ceremony was meant to leave us both in my body, not yours. Sweetheart, give me the book and let me finish what you started. What good is the book to you if only I can read it? For me to be free, you have to die. That's the only thing you can do. I couldn't live without you. And I can't die without you. We've done terrible things. I've done terrible things, Faith. I've seen things you can't imagine. No, the book is well hidden, Faith. And it's useless to you and it's useless to Eck. Only I can read it. Unless Eck knows something I don't know he knows. Fine, if you won't kill yourself, then I'll do it for you. I can use anybody I want. I'm free to roam the astral realm. I can possess somebody in the house. I can possess Amy. <laughs> I saw you with her. We can be lovers in the flesh again. Leave Amy alone. When you return to the house of love, I'll be there. Hiding in some nice, warm body. And then I'll kill you. And then we're even. Because I don't know you very well, do I? You don't love me. Oh, I did. Until you broke your promise. What promise? You promised we'd stay together. Forever. <laughs> Trevor. You. Well, that's not ominous and creepy as shit and really scary. Now, after that, he bounces right back back into the office with Dr. Ack, who says he's going to send him to this place called the House of Love. Uh, so it's almost like we're restarting again. Yeah, um, and this is where you have to wonder how many times has this happened and did my DVD just skip? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's 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 obviously happened a lot. So they get there. Everyone's acting like it's it's the same time. Uh, and yeah, they're acting we, like nothing fucking happened. And they're just restarting the whole entire scenario and hoping that Trevor doesn't remember because they think they erased his memory, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Trev then, uh, is he's in the house. He breaks into the kitchen that he's not supposed to go into, opens up the fridge, checks the milk expiration date. It's still 2000. So it is not 2004. It is the year 2000. They be fucking with him. Yep. After this, uh, we cut to... Uh, Dr. Coffee, he's leaving. He's had enough of this. This is all horseshit. And he's going to report Dr. Elk. And Dr. Elk grabs him by the neck and puts his injection. I don't know what Elk injects himself with that he has a prescription for. Quote, unquote. Uh, but, yeah. But he, he takes it and he puts it in the guy's neck. He doesn't inject him yet, but he has it in his neck. Uh, then uh, we cut back to the house. And uh, Trev confronts Amy. Her name is actually Karen. They are all actors and actresses. Uh, she actually went off script to sleep with him. That wasn't something she was supposed to do, but she just wanted to help him, that she really likes him. Uh, he leaves and then confronts the whole group. And he kind of admonishes the whole group in a group setting. And that cuts back to Dr. Ack is uh, watching all of this with Dr. Coffee. And that leads to our final clip. I know you must be going to ask it. Please, feel free. 
please don't kill me. All right. I suppose it doesn't matter if I tell you now. The power of the old ones. The dark forces, if you will. I want his book. Hmm? You see the irony in this, don't you? A scientist would never consider the question of good and evil. But to an empirical mind, the truth is simply the truth if you could prove it. The facts have no morals, they just are. And the same scientist just dismissed outright very notion of magic. But what is magic, Doctor? Left-handed, right, black or white. What is magic but a science that is too esoteric for the modern scientific methods to prove? After all, all science was once considered magic. 500 years ago, they would have burned us both. They would have. Look, I'll tell you everything I can. I'm only an actor, but the project is falling apart, and I think you deserve a little human decency now. I'll tell you everything I know. I know who's responsible. Eck. That's right, Dr. Eck. I only met him once, but since this whole thing started, he's been watching us all the time, watching all of us and, and making videotapes. It's over, though. Now that you know, today's the last day. We go home at midnight. Douglas. Someone is going to try and kill me. Someone in this house. Somebody's in someone's head. One of the actresses, probably Amy, but I can't be sure. I see. Well, that's really between you and Dr. Eck. He can hear you. He can hear everything. Look, Trevor, I don't know how crazy you really are, but the things they're doing to you, it can't be helping. You need, like, a lawyer or something. I know her. I know she'll try and fuck me again before she kills me. <laughs> that's Faith. Who? Faith. Look, I know it sounds crazy. You say Eck is listening, right? Hanging on your every word, no doubt. Great. Oh, but <laughs> I must tell you, I, I'm just, I'm too selfish to share my techniques with anyone. And once I have the book, I'm just going to be very busy. Oh, thank you, Ed. That's beautiful. Sadly, though, you, uh, won't be able to experience my techniques firsthand. Uh, because, uh, well, no, I should say, you will uh, never be sane again to remember experiencing them because, Doctor, Ed, I have no further use for it. No, please. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, that was definitely had to have been a clip. That was perfect. I mean, it's pretty yeah. much Jeffrey Combs' last, like, real monologue in the movie. And mm -hmm. it just shows just how depraved and twisted and how, just how far it goes. At this point, it definitely could be a cult. And there could be, like, this whole esoteric society of magicians that are working together to get all these books. And Trevor found one that he should not have had, basically, is what they're getting at. And they're just mm -hmm. manipulating him to try and get it back. 
Yeah. Well, uh, this actually cuts us into our final 20 minutes. All right. So right before we go into that final 20 minutes, let me just discuss um, the, the setup that they got here. At this point, do you start buying in that there is some magic going on, like magic with a K, like there's some esoteric, weird, like Doctor Strange manipulating reality bullshit going on on top of everything else? <sighs> I believe somebody believes there's some magic to be had, and there's this book they want to read, but I don't believe any of this is magic. I believe this is all shit being done into this guy's head. Okay, so you think the magic is just some... There's something else about the book that they want. It has nothing to do with magic. It could have something to do with magic, but what's happening to Trevor is not magic. (laughs) We're not seeing anything magic. I totally believe they're looking to find this book that only Trevor can read, apparently. And Dr. Elk really wants this magic from the old ones. That's all true, but he doesn't have any of it. But but what's happening to Trevor isn't magic. Nothing's magic. The, we don't even see the real Trevor in this until coming up here in a little bit. We've never seen the real Trevor. Every Trevor we have seen in this movie is in Trevor's own head while they've been experimenting on. Okay. Uh, Do you believe that he and Faith were actually producing spells together and actually casting spells and doing magic? That I do believe. I do believe Faith was killed in a failed thing. Okay. Do you believe that something happened to Trevor to mix up his mind because of that magic spell failing? No. I believe he was arrested. I believe... He went a little mad when he accidentally killed uh, 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 Faith, but I also believe that he's fine. He's, you know, he was submitted to Dr. Eck, and uh, Dr. Eck was like, Yeah, you know, I'll take care of him. Let me figure it out. And then Dr. Eck just started these experiments because it's not 2004. He hasn't been under Dr. Eck's care forever. It's probably just happened that he killed Faith and all that kind of shit. Okay. So let's just say he pulls the knife out of Faith. He calls the cops. He ends up in the asylum pretty much immediately after that with the trial and all this stuff. We're just going to skip. We don't know what happened there. Uh, Eck gets, gets him put under his care, you know, because of all of that kind of stuff. And we know that Eck was the first um, doctor to come see him. He probably was ranting and raving about the stuff that happened in the book. Eck is a member of some kind of magical society as well. Um, You know, he's in the general same area, so obviously this was a book that someone had and hid in this house that he found maybe, or something along those lines. And you're saying that specifically the magic stops the minute we see him grab the knife and pull it out of faith like that. The spell is definitely over. There's no more spell casting in the movie. That's the only thing. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I believe that. And all, all, right. all the other things that we're seeing is science-based hallucinations happening in his mind. Because he's, he's, his brain is being toyed with. I think it's both. That's what I'm saying. I think they are. Okay. I think they're fucking with his brain. But I think there's also another layer that you can go back and watch again and see where there are repercussions for the choices that he's made with magic. Like, I think that's why his brain is actually scattered. Because they're digging through his memories, yes, and they're trying to find. But they, all they really have to do is start going backwards from the time he killed his wife. But they can't do that. So so they're trying to jump around and find what they can where they can because they can't get him to like remember what happened but the reason that that is is because all of those memories are actually occupied by faith everything that he has it's it's a memory of faith is actually faith in his mind now after that failed spell because it backfired and went into him is what she explains so I think there's still magic going on and I think they're actually fucking with his brain and I think these two things happening in conjunction is um, to put it in a hammer film parlance they're meddling with powers they couldn't possibly comprehend on all levels. Yeah. I'm still down with the, this. They haven't gotten to the magic yet. They're still just fucking with his brain to get to the magic book. Okay. But that's where the, the, the magic ended for you when Faith is stabbed. 
Yeah. Cool. That's fine. That's it's a that's a totally valid way of looking at it. I think it's both because it makes me enjoy it more. And I'm sad that you can't enjoy it on that level that I can, my man. All right. I'm still enjoying this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know, uh, but not uh, as much as me. <laughs> dick. Uh, let's see here. All right. Start the final 20. Trev um, is cutting into his bed like he's looking for this book, but he can't find any. The nothing's in there. Doc Eck is uh, calling in to uh as he's already injected coffee he's calling in to have coffee removed saying he's he's gone crazy apparently and says that he is in fact a patient remember yes yes they they set that up beautifully i I, comes in i just want to i just want to state that this asylum is totally scary where all it takes is someone just to assume that you're a patient like a front desk nurse who just doesn't want to deal with your shit yeah, like that's terrifying. I think it's I think it's really hilarious that Alice Cooper was there for like a minute. <laughs> I know that was it. Um. So anyway, uh. So then Doug comes in to get the typewriter from Liz, but he's calling her by the wrong name, and he gets the bloody typewriter. And then Doctor X says uh, he just wants to send in two orderlies to remove Douglas. And I think orderlies are code for something within is like to remove the the being of Douglas from uh, Trevor's brain. It's uh, a type of surgery that they're going to do yeah, with the probe or something. Because I think they're going to remove it because he keeps forgetting names of people in the house. So it's something degrading that. Well, uh, also, I think they know that something's not right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they also know to look out for faith. Um, so the orderlies show up, and one just wants to get to beating people. Uh, but uh, before anybody can, Doug kills the head lady with the typewriter. They cut to Karen wants to fuck Trev one more time. And then all of a sudden we have a moment where he screams, and he wakes up, and he's in brain surgery. His brain's exposed. Here is the first time we actually see what Trevor's like in the real world. This is real world Trevor. And this is what he has been like this whole entire movie. Or at, his brain's exposed. <laughs> he's or or at least whenever he wakes up. Yeah, he's moving around, and this causes him to he freaks out. He's back in the you know the house, and he actually smothers Karen, chokes her to death. Uh, oh, so, did you yeah. notice the way he was thrusting at her while he was choking her too? Yes, it looked yes, like a, it was very rapey. Yeah, it was yeah. a very simulated rape while he was doing it, and it was like he was yeah. he was like gyrating and having some kind of a reaction to the stimulating of his brain. You know? Yeah. And it was, it was so bizarre and kind of just, I don't know, like it didn't portray what I think they were trying to portray. I think they were trying to show that like he was being electrocuted and it was forcing him to strangle her. But what it looked like was that he was fucking raping her and strangling her at the same time, or at least simulating the motion of raping her while strangling her to death. And I don't know if they meant to do that or not, but like, even if they didn't, it very heavily looked like it and was very disturbing for that reason. Yeah. So then the orderlies show up and Doug answers the door and they said they're looking for Doug. And he said, oh, I'm not Doug. Uh, The fat guy upstairs, Doug, make sure you use your billy clubs to take him out because he really needs to get beaten. Um, I don't know if this is a program or something that they're running to remove Douglas, but like, it's just weird. Yes. So one of the orderlies sees the blood stain on the floor. Uh, And then another orderly, the other orderly goes up. He finds Ron. And, uh, well, he, he hits him over the head with his billy club. And then Doug comes up and he says, hey, where's your friend? And he goes, I don't know, probably looking for the bathroom or something. And uh, so then Doug finds the other one who has found the body of the head lady. And he starts whacking that guy with his own billy club. So, you know, sorry about your damn luck. 
Then we see Dr. Ack, he is actually having his people destroy all evidence. He tells a couple of guys, you're technically evidence. I'd start moving east as fast as you can. <laughs> um, yep. He's like, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd get away from me if I were you. Uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. Thanks, Doc, for all your help, I guess. Um, and he says he would do it, but someone has to make the final note. So something must uh, be going on. So um, things are coming to a head. Yeah. Yeah. Things are getting ready to end. Well, they're uh, they're close to getting what they want, but at the same time, the uh, authorities are closing in on them. Apparently, yes, something something's starting to come up. Yeah, something bad's on the horizon, but also they're about to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, some, 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 some great stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're all going through it. The tension's um, high, and so am I. Let's do the rest of the review. Yeah, right. Doug then uh, kills the bad orderly. Uh, as Ron and Liz both escape. So I don't know what all that means, but okay. Um, uh, so I guess, yeah, they, uh, uh, Ron and Liz, this, I guess maybe something leaves his brain. I, I'm just not sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. In your, uh, vision of things where it's all definitely inside his head and scientific, this is not in any way, shape or form probable or plausible, uh, unless it's inside a memory that already existed where he actually did interact with the actors and yeah. both, um, both faith and the doctors are intervening on this. And maybe there was some killing that ended up happening at some point in time when he was in the asylum that Trevor also did and then they went and did his brain in who who knows why this is happening but apparently in this version of it or in this scenario somehow Liz and Ron escape yeah so anyway um then we see you know uh, Doug kind of finds Trev and he's covered in blood Doug is and Doug says he's faith and now he's gonna kill him so they have a chase around the house and uh, Trev crawls back into the chest. He gets the book and the knife again. The lights go out, and then Trev stabs Doug slash Faith, killing whatever this person, whatever this thing is. Trev then picks up the phone, calls 911, almost reminiscent of the early, like, how it first happened, and says, hey, listen, we have a, there's been a murder. Please, you know, come help. And, um... Then we cut to Dr. Ack is leaving. He's on the phone. He says that, uh, he, uh, that, uh, he's 20 minutes away, but he knows that he found the book and now he's just going to go have him get it for him. Um, and then we have a flashback to the beginning with the nurses and Trev is sleeping. Uh, then we cut to Trev, uh, uh, is, uh, trying to get out of the chest he's trying he starts knocking on it because it won't open then we see another trev from beginning of the movie trying to he's knocking on it from the outside he opens the chest and then the bloody trev pulls him in roll credits all right go ahead the floor in, is yours in my opinion because Trev, with the nurses when he was sleeping, didn't wake up this time when they mentioned it. This was Trev dying. Maybe not dying, but this is Trev saying, I'm done. I'm not going to be whoever for these people. And when bloody Trev pulled, you know, a live Trev into the, the, the chest and other Trev's not waking up, that means he's, he's permanently shutting down. He's gone. 
he's done. And he's not going to allow Eck to try to get the book because there's nothing left to wake up. And I actually believe that between what Eck did to him and what Faith was trying to do, he is locked in a loop of ever shattering realities in his mind, living out all of these different lives constantly because science and magic came together and formed this vortex of hell that is locked inside Trevor's head. And if that ever actually gets out, that's apocalypse, baby. Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, maybe shit. He's basically like he's he's basically like a black hole for reality and understanding and reasoning. Like he is the antimatter to all and everything that is existence inside that head. After what they've done, that's how I looked at it. Like that's like that's that that's the apocalypse basically trapped inside his head. Like it's a way that like like that could just become everyone's reality, where that's yeah. just how we're all gonna live because because of everything that happened. You know. Um, yeah, it could be. That's just, that's one of the ways that I've looked at it. I totally see it that where they've just been fucking with his head, but there is definitely magic going on. And there is definitely the residue of a consciousness of faith in some way, shape or form inside his head um, that is not acting how he remembers it. And I don't believe that that's a doctor. I don't, I think it's only when he's actually in the house of love and the moments where he's having memories of faith, he's not actually in the house of love with his memories of faith. I think that's faith pulling at him and trying to communicate with him because she not done with him yet either you know i think that's could be what the filmmakers are going for maybe i'm wrong maybe you know maybe maybe you're right it doesn't doesn't matter it's just how we're both interpreting it i'm not trying to convince you i'm just trying to say that that's some of the things that i see is what i'm getting at um i obviously if in case anybody couldn't tell at this point obviously i really like this movie and (laughs) i get the inclination that while it was the biggest pain in a fucking ass for you to do the fucking notes for this guy that that you actually really enjoyed the film too it seems like i did really actually enjoy the movie i did yeah so uh i you know he kept my interest um yeah i was a bitch to note but at least it was interesting <laughs> yeah you were definitely not wrong i cannot believe that we've talked this long about the film but at the same time i actually can yeah yeah i'm fucking worn out i'm fucking tired i'm sure you are as well we're gonna skip the fucking news and unless you got anything else to say about the movie i think i've said more than enough yeah man i'm uh i'm uh, i'm i'm tapped <laughs> All right, let's close out this fucking show and let's give everybody a rest because, man, my ass is tired from sitting in this fucking chair. Right. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.
Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you're listening on the Pirate Radio edit, that is Spookies or Tem. Ah. That is the name of the song. I, I am not pronouncing that right. There is no fucking way that that is the case that I am pronouncing that right. But, okay, so it is S-P-O-O-K-I-U-S. Spooky us? Does anybody else have an idea of what that is? You want to chime in on this, Matt? Yeah, no, fuck you. Why don't you go ahead? Just fucking close out the fucking show. Mortem. <laughs> yeah, M- let me go ahead and try to print. I can't, I can't <laughs> pronounce the most basic words in the human language. What the fuck are you doing over here? <laughs> okay, and then Mortem. M-O-R-T-E-M, right? That sounds right to Mortem. you. That sounds right. <laughs> the song is by <laughs> Nocturne. I'm just fucking with you. The song's by Nocturne? Nocturne, ah. yeah. Uh, Nocturne. It reminds me of... Love their emissions. Yeah, it it, uh, it reminds me of like some serious like industrial stuff that I used to be really into, and then like some of the more extreme end of the goth that went like ultra-industrial, too. Um, so when it showed up in the movie, I was really into it, and I'm glad I found the song. So there we go. And, yeah, we're done talking about it, Court. Let, let Matt go. He's tired. He's grumpy. Let me, let me go, man. I'm getting loopy over here. <laughs> oh, like you weren't loopy when we started. All right. So if you want to find all the other instances <laughs> where Matt wanted to leave and Court kept him recording over and over again, no matter what, just kind of like in the Attic Expeditions, only with podcasting, you can find those other yeah. instances of something that probably will never happen or has ever happened at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. Everything we've ever covered and then again have not covered is also available there. Jesus. I'm locked in a hole of not knowing what's real anymore, Matt. I'm yeah, what's what's real? Did, did we actually do the show, or do we have to start doing it again? I don't remember. I, I really don't. Like, I think something has lasted from the effects from the film, but I'm pretty sure that we have an Instagram available at cinema underscore psyops. Uh, that yeah. is a page where I think we post memes, if that sounds right. Oh, them sweet, sweet memes. We also are available. It's going to get you all banned in the next year or two. <laughs> Probably. Uh, we're also available to you on the Twitters, that hate-filled shit fest that got reformed into a porn bot heaven by the unfollow, the mute, and the wonderful oh. features of just getting rid of people on social media because you don't have to give them your attention. Oh, porn bot heaven. That was almost not awful. I'm available there. <laughs> <laughs> at court underscore psyop and he is available there is almost not awful at psyop matt <laughs> so everything's almost not awful <laughs> hey matt that's high about praise. the best praise you're gonna get yeah that's high praise you can email feedback to matt and tell him that he's often not awful psyop matt yeah. at gmail.com I hear sometimes I'm downright unpleasant. That's pretty much a that's a compliment in my world. <laughs> you can also email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that he's fair to middling or absolutely acceptable. <laughs> Just, you shouldn't be sun, shunned by society. There you go. There you go. That's that's a compliment. <laughs> well, while you're out there micro-supporting your fellow man, kick the fuck out of this week <laughs> and make it your bitch.
Hey, can you hear me? Yep. All right. What about yeah. you hear that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. You recording All on right. your side yet? I am now. One, two, three. Everything's coming through. <laughs> I just emptied the trash, so I feel really good about the uh, computer. I have no idea why, but my Mac restarted on me, so I had to open everything back up. Uh, this is Fun the, times. Yeah, this is the one that had that power failure issue um, where I replaced the board on it, so I don't think it was that. Um, but it's also old, so hopefully it'll make it through the show. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah, well, yeah, no shit. You know what? You're not the only one. This laptop besotted on me earlier today, so... <laughs> Yeah, we need new computer gear, man. Probably. <laughs> we, should, we, we should start begging Bo. Be like, Bo, yeah. is there any of that sweet, sweet Patreon money available for us to get Father. a computer? Father? We just Papa. need a laptop. Please, Bo. I want some more. <laughs> All right, you did the Attic Expeditions, correct? Yes. All right, let's fucking do the show then. Fucking A. Um, and by the way, they never sold Godzilla on that. I'm just, uh, for for sake of joke, because that film is very much that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the tuna yeah. head. Yeah, Godzilla. That, that Godzilla 2000 is very much a fucking joke. No, no, 1998. <laughs> the Godzilla... Or 19... 1998. Yeah. Sorry. Godzilla 2000 is actually, there is a Godzilla 2000, or Millennium, they might call it too. Uh, oh, that, okay. That uh, is fucking kick-ass and happens to be my favorite suit The Matthew Broderick one came out in 98? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I always thought that was like 2000 in my head. Hmm. Oh, fuck, I'm old. Well, Whatever. it was. Fuck it. It was before. Care. It was before 2000. But yes, it was. But the the Japan's the Japan's release of Godzilla 2000 or Millennium, however you want to phrase the name of it, How, however you want to go. <laughs> yeah, was a direct response to how badly they fucked it up. And we're not talking about that movie. That doesn't fucking matter. We're not talking. I'm, yeah, but you know, you say things. <laughs> right. Well, we'll circle back from my snide remarks about Godzilla movies. And now it's time for that fucking break. That's a better act break anyway. <laughs> Here we go. I feel horrible that I don't know what Nightmare on Elm Street that is, like off the top of my head. Like I that feel has like... to be four. I think you're right. It's four. <sighs> yeah, but like I don't know for sure, and the fact that I don't fucking know is kind of bugging me. And I feel like my horror. Mate... No, it's four. It's you're right. It's definitely four. I know this. It's yeah, four. I didn't know his name. It's Andreas Jones. Because it's I know it's four because she gets all the powers because it's the it's the one where Freddy kills the other three survivors from uh, Dream Warriors. Yeah, within the first five minutes, and they reset the entire franchise and it is definitely yeah. four so i am good it's definitely four yes you're fine it's definitely four <laughs> let's move on and make some more outtakes later all right right uh let's let's stop karate fighting the air and we'll go this is all trippy as fuck, to... disorienting, and a yeah. little bit well, weird. And now, and now I'm at this point where I'm sitting here going, if this is like a fucking memento-type movie where it cuts around in time, I'm going to fucking kill Court because <laughs> doing these notes is going to fucking suck. <laughs> Oh, your pain is like fine wine to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, if this is a time jumping movie, I'm just <laughs> fucking done already. Dude, I'm laughing so fucking, fucking hard at you that I am fucking lightheaded. <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry, but you know this is going to make for a great show, and that's why I'm laughing. I know. Like the I, it, it, and number one, I know someday now, because I said it, you're going to make me do a memento, and I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself. <laughs> Oh, don't threaten that. That's horrible. 
I don't want to note Memento. <laughs> I've watched I've watched that movie once, and it took me a literal week just to get it out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, that will be duly noted. <laughs> that's that's on a hard no list. Or if we do it, someone else does the notes. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to start doing drugs again. Going to have flashbacks of that movie. And it's in our first clip. Check the time out on this motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh-huh. Yep. Welcome to the Thunderdome. <laughs> Five fucking minutes. <laughs> I'm totally going to the bathroom. How do you feel? I would. <laughs> I'm your doctor, Dr. Eck. Trevor BRB, biatch. We meet again. Yeah. Jesus, there's still like three fucking minutes left. Yeah, man. I told you. Welcome to the Thunderdome. So I don't envy you your job, and I do feel somewhat bad, but at the same time, I know this is going to make a great show, and that's why I was laughing at you. Yeah, at the same time, you don't care. I'm also a sadistic prick, and I've gone through worse for this show. You bastard. micro supporting your fellow man kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch oh well done <laughs> and i've stopped recording